Hi everyone, welcome to Take 10 for Torah number 722. I hope you all are well. Any questions, comments, suggestions, recommendations, or sponsorships, please email me at Rabbi Yismach at Take10FortorahTorah.org. Today's 10 is sponsored by Eli Nishmas Fega Vasmosha. This is Florence Brownstein, whose year is on the 10th of Adar. May the Torah we learn be an aliyah to her Nishama. So we have Purim coming up this week, and I wanted to discuss today one of the very well-known questions that we have on Purim, which is, why is there no Halil on Parm? Halil is one of those things that we usually associate with all holidays. We even associate it with the rabbinic holiday of Hanukkah. So why do we not say Halil on Parm? So the context of this is a Gemara and Daf Yudalad, where the Gemara actually begins by telling us a sort of non-related fact. It says, They're taking off the ring, meaning the giving of the ring from Ahasuerus to Haman, which enabled Haman to make the decree that he did against the Jews, was greater than the 48 prophets and the 7 prophetesses. Because 48 prophets throughout the generations, 7 prophetesses throughout the generations, were never able to really change the Jews. No matter what we uh, get up from the pulpit and say, I don't know, it seems that people are really deeply unwilling to change. But this one moment, this one moment of giving over a ring, giving Haman the ability to wipe out, or at least to potentially create a decree that would, wipe out the Jewish people. That changed the Jews. So in the context of these 48 prophets, So the Gemara continues, these 48 and 7 prophets and prophetesses, they prophesied, they never changed the Torah. The only thing they changed, and it's not to explain that this is the only rabbinic law, but Rashi explains the circumstances of what this means. But these 48 prophets, seven prophetesses, only created Mikra Megillah. It almost sounds like there's a cause and effect. You know, the 48 Nevi'im, all of these prophets and prophetesses were unable to change the Jews, and this did, and the thing that they created was the thing that reminds us of this. But what was the thing that they created? Mikra Megillah, reading the Megillah on Purim. So the Gemara wonders, my Darush, what was the scriptural evidence that allowed them to create this mitzvah called Mikra Megillah, reading the story of Purim? Amar Rabbi Chiyabar Avin, Amar Rabbi Yeshua Ben Karcha, as follows. Umami avdos l'cherus amrinan shira, just like we see that when the Jews got out of Egypt, they said a shira, they sang a song, we'll talk about what song that was in a moment. So if that, which was only a situation of subjugation to freedom, they did, so So when they go from the threat of death to survival, shouldn't we all the more so sing? And so the Gemara's point is that here, it's not a drasha, it's not a Pasuk in the Torah, it would be unreasonable to imagine that there would be a Pasuk in the Torah that would address a later event in history, the later event of Purim, but the idea of the drasha being that we use a technical tool that we find Torah law, and that Torah tool is the tool of Kalvachomer. If we see a law in a lighter situation, we can extrapolate from there that the law should apply in a heavier situation. So the law over here is, Listen, if at the time of the sea the Jews sing a song because it was important to recall, to remember, etc., so too in this situation, which was so much more severe. Now it's interesting because what was the song that they sang? So Rashi says the song they sang was the song by the sea, Az Yashir. Right now, many ask the question, what do you mean? Az Yashir was also a situation, not just of subjugation to freedom, but it was a situation where they had their lives on the line. It was Mimisa 
l'chaim, because they were sandwiched between a marauding Egyptian army on one side and the sea on the other side. They were goners, except a moment later they were saved, to which they respond with az yasher. That's one of the questions on Rashi. The other questions on Rashi as well. For example, why in the world would we learn from there? There is no mitzvah to say the shir. They said it then. That doesn't mean we have a mitzvah to always say it. We happen to say it every single morning. In our Pesuki de Zimmer, we say the az yasher song, because it's a nice thing to remember. But there's no obligation to the same way there is Mikra Mikila. So Rashi is a little bit controversial here. Others say that it's referring to the Hallel that we sing in the beginning of Sukkot. But in any event, the Gemara says, just like we see that a song was composed for the end of the Egypt story, so too there should be a song composed for the Purim story. Okay, so once the Gemara establishes that, the Gemara says, Ihachi Hallel Nami. So, therefore, there should also be a halal, right? So, if we say halal on Pesach, so there should be a halal on Purim, right? So, the Gemara says, no, there are three reasons why we don't say halal. The first reason that, that's offered is because the Gemara says we do not say halal for miracles that happen outside of Eretz Yisrael. Very interesting idea, right? One might say that from this Gemara we see that really, Eretz Yisrael is the main stage of history, whereas everything else is the side stage of history. Okay, so the Gemara says, how could that be? The story of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim itself was outside of Eretz Yisrael. So the Gemara says, well, no. That's because until they get into the land, they're not going to hold the land to be the main place for miracles. But once they do, that's it. That's the end of the story. The Gemara ends up assuming for a moment that this should be true forever, that only in Eretz Yisrael do miracles matter. And the Gemara says, well, it depends. If we're there at the time, then that's the only place they matter. But if we're not there at the time, we're in Golas, then outside, like Purim, would matter as well. That's the end of the Gemara. But there are two other suggestions that are offered for why it is that we don't say Halal and Purim in this Gemara. One is the suggestion of Rav Nachman. Rav Nachman says, actually, as a matter of fact, we do say Halal. Kriyasa zu halila. The reading of the Megillah is the halal, which is really fascinating because the reading of the Megillah doesn't even have God's name, as we know. It's not obviously a halal, but I guess it's so obvious that you're going to read the story and find God between the lines that there's no question that you'll draw the same lessons that you draw from a halal that you would say every morning on a regular holiday. So that's from Nachman's position, Kriyasa zu halila. Rav Amar Rav says, no, Bishlema hasam halalu avdi Hashem haro. We can say in the halal as we do. We praise God, the servants of Hashem, because we are no longer the servants of Paro. Now we are the servants of Hashem. So it's entirely appropriate in the context of Pesach. Elohacha, but over here in the story of Purim, can we say we are the servants of Hashem and uniquely the servants of Hashem? We are still the servants of Achashverosh. And so the words of the Hallel do not fit. And we find this in a few different situations where the words of the halal do not fit, or we learn something from the specific words of the halal, and that does not allow us to say the halal because it doesn't fully, fully fit the situation. So we have two answers in the end of the Gemara because we ignore the answer relating to not being able to uh, say halal for a miracle outside of Eretz Yisrael. And those two answers that matter are, Reb Nachman says, it's because we do say halal, but it's a different kind of halal. It's the halal of reading the Megillah, not the halal of saying halal. And Reva says, no, we can't say halal on this holiday. The reason we can't say halal is because the words don't fit. The words of halal are only appropriate when we are ultimately free, and in this story we were still under the thumb of Achashverosh, so halal is inappropriate. Now, what's the halacha? 
who cares? What's the what's the reason why we don't say hal? So there's a very important nafkamina, very important difference that comes up, uh, brought up first by the Meiri. The Meiri says if it's true that we do say hal, we just say a different format of hal, which is the Megillah. Let's imagine somebody's stuck for Purim and doesn't have a Megillah, right? So if you don't have a Megillah, so is there still an obligation to say halal? So Rav Nachman, who says, of course there's an obligation to say halal, we just do it in a different way, so then he would say, if you don't have a Megillah, so then you can't do it this newfangled way, so you're going to do it the way that we usually do it, so you should say halal. According to Rava, who says, no, it has to do with the falseness in the words, you're still servants of Achashverosh at the end of the story of Purim, so according to him, then you would not say hal because hal is always inappropriate. So this issue comes up. Exactly what is the reason? Because it has this important halachic difference. The Shulchan Aruch says we don't say hal, does not say why. The Beis Yosef says both reasons. So it's not clear exactly which one sticks. The Magan Avram brings the reason of halalu avde Hashem velo avde paro, which has to do with the inadequacy of halal altogether. And the Mishnah Brewer brings that as well. And so many say that the reason that that's the reason that's ultimately chosen is because Rava, who made that comment, was the Basroi. He was the last one standing, so to speak. He was the last rabbi. And in this conversation, and in many conversations, we usually assume the halacha follows the last man standing because they understood all the previous arguments, and if they introduce a new one, it's because they're there to disqualify the previous ones. So that seems to be what the halacha is. Now, many suggest that either for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, because when the Chachamim said you should not say halal, you shouldn't say halal, period. Low plug, it doesn't matter if you have a Megillah, it doesn't matter if you don't have a Megillah. Others suggest uh, maybe it's the case that low plug and we don't have an obligation to say the halal, but maybe you should without a bracha. And so if you find yourself in a situation where you do not have a Megillah, so it's likely that you should say the halal without the bracha. It's a unique situation. But that would be the upshot of this discussion, because at least according to one of the two opinions, Kriyasa Zu Halila, we do say the halal, we just say a different kind of halal. Have a great day.